It's that time of year, everyone, where Miles and I take a good look back on on a year gone by. Because, oh, thank God this year's almost over. It's the Mori Awards! This time it's about movies! Hello, Miles. Are you ready to talk about some memories? Yes, I am. And you know what, Drew? I gotta give you. I gotta give you props. I love that you introduced this episode as if this is something that you and I have always done. <laughs> well, you know, it's. Um, I mean, we we traditionally have. It's just it's never been just you and me. So <laughs> I really liked how smooth you were with that with that uh intro oh yeah oh yeah so so this episode normally we do with the maury's we do everything in one episode but it's been a weird year and we just want to space things out and talk a little bit about movies in 2020 so here's the thing about movies in 2020 um (laughs) a lot of them didn't happen (laughs) a lot of them that were going to happen got pushed out to next year we we lost black widow we lost uh top gun maverick we almost lost uh wonder woman 84 but that is going to be out before the end of the year barely not of course in time for us to record this but dune james bond halloween like i mean there's there's a massive list of of movies that we lost and some uh movies that probably should have stayed lost um Look at yeah. you, Mulan. Yeah, um, that was a tough one, and and that we'll get we'll get into some of maybe of that later. But that that is definitely not uh, a minority opinion, so I don't feel that bad about saying <laughs> that. So um, but, yes, Drew, you were right. This is this is a weird year for movies because uh, outside of movies released in late February, uh, if if it didn't come out then, it was mostly on VOD, unless you're Christopher Nolan. And even then, that may have been a mistake. So, oh, no, no, there's no may about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to kick things off uh, because I would like to uh, award the first Maury of the evening. And this Maury is uh, let me see here. It's um, um, oh, where'd my. uh, Rip open the envelope. You had shared these categories with me before. (laughs) Uh, This is the. Wait. That was this year, Maury. And that is going to go to Birds of Prey, the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which came out in February. And uh, one, oh, yeah, that came out this year. And two, it was a great fun movie that I really enjoyed. And the last movie I thought I actually saw in the theaters this year. It might have been the last movie I saw in theaters. I know I saw I, I was trying to find uh, on my my Regal Unlimited what my last movie was and I couldn't. But I saw the last time I went, which is in February. And I just remember and this was kind of keyed in for, for how fun Aquaman was and how fun Shazam was. This to me really kind of opened up this kind of freedom from and I know that I'm going to get some pushback from this, but the kind of I don't want to say grim dark, but the dark the 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 dark fog that the Snyder universe had kind of put over the DC universe, and Birds of Prey didn't focus on any of that. It just came out and had fun. It and it was a blast. Uh, a couple of things that we actually Rebecca and I saw this on a uh, preview showing, and this is one of the few superhero movies that she has seen uh, with me in theaters that she absolutely loved and I think liked more than I did uh, because it she felt spoken to. Uh, for this with this movie, there's one particular scene. It's in a big fight at the end. And and one thing I should say, Margot, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie stars as Harley Quinn in this. She is also the executive producer of the movie. Uh, But this movie has a a very female heavy uh, creative team. Uh, 
a lot of the producers are female, directed by by a woman, Kathy Yan, uh, written by Christina Hodson. Uh, so it is it is definitely a a female focused film. And when they are in a big fight at the end of the movie, uh, when <laughs> when Harley Quinn and and uh, uh, not Mockingbird, uh, Black Canary, sorry, Marvel DC fans uh, are in the middle of a fight and one of them notices that their hair is just out of control in this middle of the fight. And one of them passes another one. Hey, you, you need a hair tie. And she it's, puts her hair up and they continue the fight. It's one of those things that's like, that doesn't happen scene. in movies. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, be- Krista outright cheered in the theater when, when she saw that and clapped like that. And I, and it's not just Rebecca and, and Krista. Like I've, I've heard from a lot of people that scene specifically it's such I think also because it's so nuanced, it's it's so it's it's not a specified one letter moment. It's a quick hair tie. And it's just it's the 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 body language and the visual communication that they do in the in this like split second gag that just, it shows just how meticulous they put this film together in terms of what they wanted to say with this movie. Yeah. And honestly, the. Just the the comedic timing that everyone had from Mary Elizabeth Winstead just being the rage machine that she was and another one, another fantastic moment in that that I don't want to spoil because it's just (laughs) perfect. Uh, It's it's It's, really, really fantastic. And and, um, I mean, my 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 only thing and and, um, I I drew Drew can probably see that I I was going to bring this up. I just I can't believe Cassandra Kane got a live action appearance before Tim Drake did. Like if you would ever told me that Cassandra Kane, who I love, is a character I adore. And the version they do here is excellent. Um she's and, not and exactly not, the Cassandra Kane you normally get out of DC. No, products. no. Um she's got a little more kind of Jason Todd origins in her, but in terms of just being kind of a street kid and but but all the performances all around. I mean, the, all the birds of prey were fantastic. Uh, Obi Wan himself as <laughs> Black Ewan, Mask, Ewan McGregor. Uh, it's just he's so good, and you can tell he's having the best time. Everyone in this movie just seems like they're having such a good time, and and that really is communicated in, in, in this film. And I think it's what makes the movie so infectious to watch. Like when you walk away from this movie, you got a smile on your face. And not because of Jared Leto, because he's not in the movie at all. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I was so happy that they just they, they talked about the Joker and they just kept on going. And it's it's got some amazing uh, callback jokes that they make from the beginning of the movie that you're like, they actually brought this back. Uh, especially the breakfast sandwich. The breakfast sandwich uh, is fantastic. Again, there are some real, real like it, it's it's currently on HBO Max as we're recording this. If you want to go and watch it, uh, if you have that service in the US, it's it's well worth your time. And I am I, I that is the first Maury. The wait, that was this year, Maury. Uh, so, Miles, I turn it over to you for Maury so, number so, two. So, my Mori is 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 hold on let me let me look at this card here. Uh, this is the Mori for there's still gas in the tank, and that belongs to Bill and Ted face the music. Mm. Uh, Drew, did you have a chance to see Bill and Ted three? I did. Uh, so Bill and Ted face the music is actually a more recent. Uh, release uh, that it came out just in August, uh, end of August, just a few months ago, straight to digital streaming, which uh, happened to a lot of movies this year. Uh, starring- I think they were very smart to make this choice because I don't think this movie was ever going to be, you know, a $200 million sleeper hit. This was always going to be a movie that did well, but it, I mean, it wasn't going to do your your birds of prey numbers, you know? Sure. And in fact, I should also mention birds of prey is the uh, third top grossing movie of 2020 at $84 million domestic. Yeah. Um, Guess what number one is. uh, Gotta go fast. No, that's number two. What took it over? Uh, Well, bad boys for life, but uh, 
Was that this year? It was. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Again. So uh, but, uh, I'm also, I might be thinking of the, of the world why. But anyway, back to Bill and Ted. So Bill. So this- so so we have uh, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves returning as. William S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, respectively, in their middle age. And who boy. Sorry, Moss, I keep cutting you off. I want you to, to, to say your piece about this one. This is a movie that I mean, they've been trying to get this off the ground for long over a decade. And them kind of crashing and burning with Bill and Ted's bogus journey kept it happening for a little while. We've been hearing about this on and on for the last decade. And even as it got closer to happening, and I think you can probably thank John Wick and kind of the the resurgence of love for Keanu Reeves as as a result for this film getting made. And and that's not to say anything about Alex Winter, who's a, a honestly a fantastic film writer, a filmmaker in his own right. But I, I think that definitely helped. There's there's a, the 90s nostalgia that's going on right now. And they had an opportunity to do something really exciting. And I I think they resisted the temptation to just swallow some member berries and be and, and take this nostalgic journey with Bill and Ted and instead gave us the third part of a trilogy that we didn't even know we needed. The thing about Bill and Ted as characters, and this is something that I reflect on knowing that this movie was coming out uh, and and I watched the I watched Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey prior to like days prior to watching the third one. And there are things I love these movies when I was growing up and and. But there are things that you forget about them. And the one thing that I forgot about Bill and Ted as characters is that they are almost always extremely positive and they're extremely polite. They're not mm-hmm. they're not uh, out, outside of a couple of 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 comments to each other that are joking, but out of out of sorts uh, in you know 2020. Um, they are two of the most polite characters in movies, and they don't fit the stereotype that you think. You look at these two slacker dudes and you think they're going to be all anti-establishment you know, blah, blah, blah. And they love rock and roll and all of that, but they, they refer to every grown up as sir and ma'am. They are always <laughs> excited to see people, even whether it's, you know, Genghis Khan or the devil or death itself, or the teacher that they have to turn in a, uh, a history paper to so they don't fail and have to go to military school. And, and it's, it's that energy that in 2020, I really need it. <laughs> Thinking about this scene in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and they're on this floating rock, and this giant, your typical kind of demonic-looking Satan, you know, muscles and giant horns and bright red, and they're just jumping up and down going, yo, devil dude, down here, devil dude. <laughs> like, this this is the the bright ray of sunshine that everyone needed. And I I think I think this movie would have done well and would have been received positively anyway. But I think it coming out when it did as this amazing salve to the absolute chaos that was this year. And it's not just that it's fun. It builds upon things that the first two movies set up and and turns it into an actual trilogy. And I did not expect them to do this at all. Right. And I've got to give the absolute credit to Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne, who played their daughters, Thea and Billy. And I love that Bill and Ted named their daughter after their best friend. <laughs> so, so Ted, I am just now realizing that. Oh my gosh. It's, it, it's so great. Like Ted named his daughter, Billy and, uh, Bill named his daughter Thea, and I I love that. And uh, both of these actresses are actresses that I'm a big big fan of. Samara Weaving has been kind of blowing up in the the horror world. And uh, did you uh, Bridget, know that me, she's a, a Hugo Weaving's niece? Yes, <laughs> I did. Uh, I think they they talked a little bit about that in their Comic Con panel, which I didn't watch many panels, but I watched that one, and it's just as wholesome as you wanted it to be. And uh. <laughs> Bridget Lundy Payne, you might recognize if you've seen uh, Netflix's Atypical, which is very good. 
and the, I mean, they they have the mannerisms of of their their quote unquote fathers down, and they're both geniuses, and they're both treated as these really fun characters who are basically the next generation of Bill and Ted. They are their father's daughters, and they are also extremely positive and extremely polite and extremely nice and are way into music. And and, and it's... But they are as much of their fathers as they are their mothers, the princesses, who are also back. Like, it's... it. This did this movie did everything it needed to be. If you are a fan of Bill and Ted and its sequel, this gives you everything you want. Everyone comes back that is able to. Uh, there's even a, uh, some good references to Carlin's character and uh, George Carlin, the comedian who who passed away in between the second, and third movies. And yeah, as far as being a fan of the franchise, I mean, I felt that this movie delivers, but even standing on its own. This movie is is such a wonderful piece of positivity. And and even if this year wasn't the absolute dumpster fire that it is, I think this movie still stands on its own for just for being something like this, especially in cynical times. And I think this is this is the 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 little boost that I, I definitely needed when I saw this. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so so th- th- this gets the more for there's still gas in the tank. I almost don't want them to make a fourth one. I would obviously welcome it, but this movie works it, so well. It's just kind of completing that story. But again, so did two. So you feel like may- well, maybe, it, but, it, it, you it, know, yeah. Um, but yeah, th- th- this is one that I, I had been I have been very much looking forward to. It was one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and I was very happy it's actually uh it's it's number four in my my top 10 i right now in terms of the rankings i have as it stands all right well let's move on to our next pick here it's a uh this is the mori four <laughs> really didn't think that was gonna work but you know and that goes to sonic the hedgehog man of all the surprises this year, the fact that one Sonic the Hedgehog existed, and two was really really good, <laughs> like this movie is better than I think it has any right to be. <laughs> well, and, and we have to flash back to last year, 2019, when they revealed the first trailer, and Sonic looked awful, straight up awful, and they. Uh, if you- if you follow us on Twitter, I was one of the few people who was like, I still think this movie looks fun. I had a lot of friends really rain down on me pretty hard over that. But I was like, listen, I agree with you. That design is but ugly. But the movie itself itself still looks fun. And and to their credit, they went back to the drawing board. They redid every single shot of of Sonic in the movie to where it looks more like a classic Sonic. And you know what? When, once you get once you get that movie out there, and this is, again, one of those movies that I did not see in a theater, though this actually did get released in theaters. This is number two domestically in uh, for for 2020. It, it it it's so much fun. You've got Ben Schwartz as Sonic the Hedgehog, a, a, a millennial like us i believe i don't think yeah he's 39 so he's right there when the first set of millennials grew up playing sonic the hedgehog games eating chili dogs and all of that uh, you've got james marsden as his human compatriot and of course you've got jim carrey as dr robotnik uh just chewing scenery and and coming back oh. to coming back to honestly one of the most slapstick comedy roles that jim carrey has done in decades it's been a while. I mean, this is classic Jim Carrey. This is this is Jim Carrey that calls back to his physical performances in The Mask and Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even even stuff that he's done, like funny with Dick and Jane in was it 2007, I think. Um, wasn't quite where this is. This this is exactly what I think people expected to see when he played the Riddler in Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted something like this. And even though he looks a little off, by the end of the movie, he does have that classic Robotnik look. And yeah, this movie just, it completely worked for me. And especially knowing that the, the movie didn't change at all, they just changed how Sonic looked. So 
I feel a little vindicated in the fact that this was still a, a solid Sonic the Hedgehog movie, regardless. And I think if you're going to put Sonic in the real world, which is not always a thing that I like to see used, you know, of uh, kind of that kind of masters of the universe formula where we they, you take characters that you know, but pull them out of their quote unquote world and into present day. It, it doesn't always work for me, but this in this instance, I thought they did a great job telling one a, a fun Sonic story with heart, but also just a a really enjoyable kids movie. I would I would almost argue this is probably the best video game adaptation ever made. I, it, I it's, it's, it's your fun. It's definitely up there. I, absolutely. Um, I I just want to say um, there are uh, a few things. The the. Navy, U.S. Navy chief of staff, the military guy who uh, who appears there in the movie is actually played by Gary Chalk, who was the voice of uh, Grounder and uh, Robotnik in multiple Sonic cartoons awesome. back in the day, That's great. Uh, as well as the other voice of a particular video game sidekick character who doesn't appear in the movie until the post credit sequence. Oh, but that post credit sequence made me so freaking happy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's not much else to say about Sonic. I watched that movie a lot because my kids got really into it. So I have seen a lot of Sonic this year. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I guess maybe I wasn't paying as much attention at the time, but I didn't see a lot of, I don't remember seeing a ton of merch for Sonic in stores. And I don't, I don't remember kind of get, getting a uh, any sort of glimpse of what people thought outside of people on Twitter, which is never a great barometer. Uh, I mean, I, again, this movie came out in uh, in February. It came out February 14th. So you had like two weeks before the entire country locked down. Right. So I was just kind of curious that uh, of how how people felt. So so hearing that your kids are are, are, are big fans of it. Uh, makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> and uh, speaking of things that make me feel a lot better, uh, this is the more for, well, wait, that wasn't Disney? And and this is also a, a brand new movie. This is Netflix's animated film, Over the Moon. Uh, Over the Moon was one that sort of came out of nowhere for me. I saw a trailer for it around September, and and kind of forgot about it until it came out last month. Uh, this is uh, a film that's uh, done by Gil Kane, and he was the character animator for Disney for the longest time. So he was on the art team that did The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Tarzan, uh, up through Tangled. So he's got a, a lengthy resume, but this is the first one that he had a lot of creative control over. And uh, this movie is so charming because i feel like in terms of you know that classic disney magic in terms of memorable songs and and uh, emotional depth this movie really nails it um and it's got a a killer cast uh it's, it's about basically a little girl uh named uh fei fei who lives in china and is told about this this goddess who's lost her loved one and it's of course it does the thing that all disney films do where you know a loved one dies and and she basically tries to build a rocket ship to the moon to prove that this goddess is real and it's got an amazing cast a uh, philippa sue from uh, hamilton is in there she plays the moon goddess hmm. uh, ken jong is in there john cho uh, Margaret Cho, Sandra Oh, like an, an incredible cast of, of Asian American actors. And the, the the animation is fantastic. It's heartwarming. It's cute. And the songs really do stick in your head. I mean, I'm probably not going to put them entirely up with maybe your Aladdin's or Frozen, but it's got some songs that I would I would put up there with some of Disney's best. That's awesome. I have not actually seen this one, so I can't speak too much about it. But uh, I, I, th I think your kids will probably dig it. Yeah, it's a it's a very, very cute movie. It's it's another one that's kind of in my top five. Uh, Krista has watched it probably more times than I can count. <laughs> uh, this, this is this was a big winner in our house. And it's it's a really it's a heartwarming, fun movie about family and new family. And I, I highly, highly recommend it. 
That's awesome. Uh, well, speaking of Netflix, uh, that takes us to our next Mori, which is. Well, timing could have been better. And that is the straight to Netflix film Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Ooh. Saga. This this is one that I was kind of always rooting for. I love the concept. I like the people involved. My thing is when I see leading leading character leading actor Will Ferrell, I don't know what movie I'm I'm going to get. I'm either going to get something that I'm going to really really love or something that's really going to annoy me. <laughs> it's 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 never it's always one of two things. There's there's no in between for me with Will Ferrell. Well, I, I, I will tell you, this is one that was heartwarming and funny uh, and, 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 and musical in a way that I did not expect. So Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams star as two uh, two grown adults uh, in, in Iceland who have grown up being obsessed with the Eurovision Song Contest and Eurovision for all of us Americans out there happens every year uh it's it it is the responsible for a number of of famous bands like abba abba uh, that we know and love uh was really made their national debut excuse me international debut on eurovision and the reason that they became extremely famous uh and they are two two people that have been trying. Uh, they formed the band Fire Saga together uh, when they were children and have continued to de- de- devote their entire lives to getting into Eurovision. And uh, because of a number of, of weird situations, end up getting in the contest. And there are a number of cameos by by real uh eurovision competitors there are of course references uh with uh, with different characters and and musically it's very interesting very funny and apparently because i'm not a huge eurovision person because i you know i'm american and doesn't really hit for us because we're not europe uh there are very deep cut references to the euro the actual eurovision yeah i uh, i remember uh, talking to uh, you years past about a um a band from Finland called Lordy, uh, which is a hard rock band that won in about 2006 or seven, I think. And that was kind of my first experience with Eurovision. And I think you guys had told me, because I actually still haven't seen this. I've seen clips and everything, but this is one that I, I still have not seen yet. But I was told that there's some references to them in the movie or they appear at there's some a, point. There's a stand-in band for for them that and is I very like similar that- in... I was like, that's very cool. I, I like that. So, yeah, I, this movie I've heard across the board. I had that everyone was was super charmed by it. And I hear the songs are really, really fun. <laughs> the songs are really fun and really good. And and uh, it's it's definitely worth the time. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca, after we watched it, went back and downloaded a bunch of them so that she could put it in her on her phone so she can have it in rotation uh, specifically. Uh, Rachel McAdams characters kind of signature song uh, in the movie. Um, Rachel McAdams does not actually sing. Uh, however, Will Ferrell does, I think, because he's got such a recognizable voice that you kind of have to 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 let him do that because they can't get away with it. But um, it's really great. Pierce Brosnan is in it. And they've got a lot of of uh, Graham Norton is in it as the Eurovision commentator. <laughs> it's it's again, it's Eurovision song contest, the story of fire saga. And the reason that I talk about the timing, not being great for it. This movie was supposed to air in May of this year, still on Netflix. Um, uh, during Eurovision, the song contest, but because of COVID-19 Eurovision didn't happen this year. Mm. So, uh, so they, they just ended up releasing it. Uh, in june anyway uh so with that uh let's move on to our next uh we're getting getting low on the list for for my maury's miles yeah um i've got one this is a twofer uh this is the prime choice award this is for unlike netflix the, the other streaming services have their originals and this one is for Amazon Prime. There were two movies that debuted on Amazon Prime, and both of them are, are in my top. I think one's number at number one, one is at, one is at number six. The first one is uh, Troop Zero. Uh, Troop Zero uh, stars uh, McKenna Grace, who was the star of uh, 
uh, eighth grade last year. And this one is just about this, this team of misfit scouts in 1977 who are trying to basically win a talent show so that they can have their voices included on the Voyager golden record. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it is, it's got a great cast. You got Viola Davis, who just is always an absolute force on screen. Uh, McKenna Grace, as I said, Jim Gaffigan, Mike Epps and Allison Janey. And every single one of them are, are there and give these, these beautiful, like, heartfelt and understated performances even gaffigan as as the father no one's there i mean there is a lot of comedy it's a very very funny movie but it is first and foremost extremely sweet and it's a great story about a group of misfits finding each other and i mean it is it is one that it both tugs on the heartstrings but also it's very i would say kind of life affirming you feel good <laughs> after you've watched it and I, I cannot recommend that one enough. It's it's the one that I think I walked away from the most this year, just feeling like this is the best movie I saw this year. And uh, Drew, did you have a chance to see it, or, or do you do you know the song? I have not or heard the, of it until you you mentioned it. Um, I I feel like I think I think this one was always headed to Amazon, but there was a bidding war for it. I think after it hit the festivals. And because I know it hit the Sundance Film Festival uh, in 2019, and, and I think Amazon won the the bidding war for it. And the second one is a kind of a science fiction movie. It's called The Vast of the Night. And this one, it, it's presented almost like an episode of The Twilight Zone. And it's basically about these kids in the 50s. Uh, they work for, or one of them works for the radio. and there are these strange occurrences that keep happening. One's a switchboard operator and one's a radio disc jockey, but there's this audio frequency they keep coming across that might be extraterrestrial in, in origin. And it's just, it's got a very like quick script, very sharp. The camera's always moving and it's kind of loosely based, uh, based on the, uh, the Kecksburg UFO incident and the Foss Lake dis disappearances. And this kind of stuff is just, I'm always a sucker for. I love these kind of sci-fi stories that kind of happen in in your backyard, and only a, a, a group of you know teenagers, like <laughs> like 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 your Super Eight, your Monster Squad, your Goonies. It's that kind of thing. It's not an ensemble cast like those films, but it's that same kind of you know intrepid kids investigating something, and it's something that I think I don't think I'll ever get sick of. And this movie just does a really cool job of one presenting this thing as it could be real or these kids just could be following a coincidental string of things happening. And uh, if you're a fan of, uh, of those kind of movies, or if you like, you know, your, your Hardy boys or Nancy drew kind of mysteries as a kid, I think you're really going to love the vast of night. It's, it's another uh, Amazon movie that I just kind of kind of popped up as a surprise. And a lot, a lot of people kind of didn't get the, to see this one because Am while Amazon bought it, they had planned for there to be a theatrical release. But unfortunately, because of COVID-19, they they put it, I think, in a couple of drive-ins and released it on Amazon the next week. But it it's one that it's it's just it's if you like that kind of old style amazing stories type of science fiction, I think you're gonna get a really big kick out of it. That's awesome. So uh, to change subjects almost completely, I have to throw out one for my, uh, let's see. This is the Mori for the uh, overused catchphrase award. Uh, and that's going to go to Borat subsequent movie film. Uh, another Amazon exclusive. <laughs> another Amazon exclusive. Uh, so if if you are a millennial like me, um, wow, I didn't mean to do that in the voice, but it ended up happening anyway. I was trying not to do it, and there I just failed to do it. Uh, uh, Borat as a character and a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen's characters from the Ali G show were a big part of our college experience 
Mm -hmm. uh, and and a the first Borat movie came out when we were in college uh, and was focused <laughs> and was focused a lot on uh, the part of the country we were in. There were a lot of University of South Carolina hats uh, in, yeah. in a particular moment. And it was. Uh, uh, and that didn't change because there's a scene in this movie that is filmed uh, literally a mile from my house. Uh, really, Miles? Because there's a scene in this movie that was filmed literally a mile from my house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the costume store that he goes to is a is is the costume store in Greenville, and I recognized some people in the background. Uh, the uh, the Jewish temple where Borat con uh, confronts the Holocaust survivor uh, is literally in my neighborhood. I drive by it twice a day. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my, uh, my girlfriend works uh, in the I'll just be vague but in, in the service industry. And it was known that Sasha Barrett Cohen was staying at a hotel in Greenville. And um, so people were kind of looking for him, but he had already basically kind of done his stuff before so that no one knew that someone was walking around dressed as Borat. Which was which smart on his part, because. I think I think that's what works about this movie is because, you know, Borat impressions became so ubiquitous. For and so plentiful for a while, I think this movie really works because it's like 14 years later. Yes. And and they make a very big point to say, oh, Borat, like he's accosted on the street by people who are making fun of him and saying his catchphrases over and over at, at him and 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 referring to his spouse and talking about how he appreciates things and and all sorts of of, of other stuff uh, but i do want to also point out this movie is is a little like it it's just as kind of in your face and uncomfortable in points as the first borat movie is but it's also kind of heartwarming in a way that you don't expect yes and that is really the 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 you have to put uh maria bakalova uh, who plays She's tremendous uh, Tutar Tutar Sagdiev Borat's uh, daughter that he is not aware that he has until in the beginning of the movie. And she is just phenomenal. She is just as funny, just as getting in there and and doing things and saying things and getting the the best reactions out of people. And, and it's it's just fantastic. And and it's something that you don't think is going to work as well as it does. And and it really does. It, it works really, really well. Um, it was, you know, a lot of the stuff in it because they started filming it at the beginning of this year. And the what the movie was going to be and what the movie ends up being about changes during production as they were filming in February and March and April as the country shutting down. Uh, and, and that's where the sort of tilts where the, the movie is, is looking at. And sometimes that's some real uncomfortable stuff, but they, they find a way to, to, to make it funny. And then I'm, I'm here for it. They, they do. And honestly, when I, when I heard that there was going to be a new Borat film, I was like, okay, I could, I could see after the, after all this time that it maybe. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, OK, so we've got a little bit of of the same old, same old, but with some new stuff. And and that's really the, the stuff that works so much for me. Some of the stuff that it's not a retread, but some of the stuff that is kind of the comfortable Borat stuff does not play. That's not that doesn't play as well, but I don't find it as engaging. But all of the stuff with Tutar and all the stuff that Borat does kind of po during covid. I think is tremendous and hilarious and uncomfortable. And it's and, weird because I do feel like this movie, I'm, I'm really curious how this movie is going to play even next year, because it is so ingrained more so than the first one in 2020. Directly in 2020. And that's something you can't really say about the I mean, the first one was very much about, you know, what was happening in 2004, 2005, 2006. But uh, actually, when was that first one? I remember 2006. Was it was 2006. But, yeah, but it was the Bush years. And so there was stuff that the, there was politically relevant stuff, but it was generally relevant stuff of of that time period, whereas this one is very specific to hopefully just this year <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed it may be early next year we'll see uh so, yeah. th so that was the the uh the 
overused catchphrase. It was pretty good. So I, I've got I've got one more that I really want to talk about because it it people in the genre liked it when it came out, but it, it because uh, everything that is 2020, this movie came out, I think, January. Uh, and this happens a lot with movies that come out in January. It was pretty much forgotten by the end of the year. And and this this is the uh, not a Cloverfield movie award. And that goes to Underwater. Uh, Underwater is an aquatic horror film uh, starring Kirsten Stewart. And she is part of a basically a, a, a underwater mining rig. Um, so if you've seen things like The Abyss or Sphere or any of the 80s aquatic horror movies like Deep Star Six and Leviathan, it's one of those kind of, it's, it's alien underwater. But the, there's a leak. And that leak turns into basically the whole place starting to come apart and they've got to try to escape. And it may or may not be caused by something else out there. And it's, it's an extremely tense movie. It starts immediately. The place starts to come apart in the first two minutes of the film. And there is excellent uh, performances by Kristen Stewart. She's fantastic. Uh, Jim Caviezel's in there. I, I think, um, oh, what's his name uh, from daredevil not daredevil uh deadpool yeah uh, it's a tj miller tj miller which which uh, by the way i only know because i heard another positive review of this movie literally minutes before we started recording this tonight uh this oh, really movie, this movie is i think available on hbo max right now it is and i i don't want to spoil the ending so i'm not going to but this movie was is very lovecraftian and it made me very, very happy. But it's just a it's a very fun monster movie that doesn't waste your time. It gets going. It's super engaging. And this this is the kind of movie that I think people wanted from the Cloverfield franchise. And I say that as someone who really loved 10 Cloverfield Lane and is a big defender of the Cloverfield paradox. But I don't think either of those movies have ever been put in the same kind of level as the first Cloverfield movie. And this one is, I mean, if you like science fiction, you like monster movies, this is a blast. I really, really enjoyed it. But I'm a big fan of aquatic horror, a fan of Lovecraftian monsters, and I'm a big fan of Kristen Stewart. So this this is one that I really, really recommend you checking out, especially because it's on HBO Max. And it just didn't quite get the love it needed by mainstream audiences, which is which is too bad. This is also the last film that has the 20th Century Fox name before the picture starts. Oh, yeah, that also happened this year. This has been a weird like I think this is probably a good time to start wrapping up this episode a little little bit of a shorter one today. Uh, But again, this movie has been or this year has been weird for movies. It starts off with Disney buying out 20th Century Fox and stopping the use of the 20th Century Fox name. It's now just what 20th Productions, 20th Studios, something like that. Uh, uh I think it's just 20th Century Studios maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe 20th Century Studios. Uh you've got of course the pandemic shutting movie theaters largely across the entire planet. Uh, You've got movies that are doing well in parts of the world where where movie theaters are staying open. And you've got things that 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 a fundamental shift in the way that movies are released, as most of the major movies that came out this year came out digitally first, if they even hit theaters at all. It has. Yes, it's it's I mean, it's it sucks because I I know Drew you you don't go to the theater as often because of of real life responsibilities yeah um I I I have a a, a regal and limited pass and before that I had movie pass because I I love the theatrical experience I love going to the theater getting my popcorn sitting in a a large dark room with a gigantic screen I just I love the the whole performance of going to see a movie and it, 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 honestly it's it's one of the least things to be concerned about right now but it's just one of those things that i love to do 
Well, and and, that. and, and you say, I mean, it's, it, you say it's one of those things and yes, most of us are not worried about it right now, but I do want to just throw out there that there's a lot of people that are out of jobs right now. Theaters are 100%. closing. I, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's something that, that as we move into 2021 and as we are hopefully on the outside of this pandemic yeah. that we can return to next year and that we can support i will be aiming to see way more movies in the theater the second that it is really safe to do so because i also really love the movie experience it's it's not a lack of wanting it it's a lack of just being able to afford a babysitter (laughs) right and that's that's why i wasn't trying to like you know make fun of you at all oh sure and Um, i I don't i don't think you were making fun of me i just but it's one of these things where it's like i literally the last movie i saw in a theater was in January and it has been this entire year that luckily we've been able to see new movies, but I saw way fewer new movies this year than I have in a long, long time. Yeah. And I, I I definitely wasn't trying to be flippant. I mean, yes, a lot of people have, you know, lost jobs. I mean, we saw, uh, we try to make November entirely about a whole situation and, you know, because there's some movies that like I'll still watch at home, but I still would like to have that experience, that chance. Like I want to see Godzilla versus Kong on the big screen. Yeah, that that that's a movie that, that you want to see at least once on a gigantic screen. You know, yeah, we all I mean, have decent sized flat screen TVs now. It, it, they're much more affordable than they used to be. So you can get a similar experience, but it's still not the same. It's not the same. And, it's it's not the same when when you're watching a big Marvel movie and something happens and the entire theater erupts with applause or or tears which, or or well that, that that brings me to to my very last category that I do want to talk about. And, and I think you've made the perfect segue. And this is the It Finally Happened Award. And that goes to the New Mutants. Oh, here we go. I have been waiting for four years to see this movie. (laughs) And they finally released it on VOD last month. And uh, this is a movie that has had a a troubled production. And it certainly wasn't helped by the sale of Fox to Disney. And I'm not going to lie. It's definitely got its problems. (laughs) <laughs> it, it does but i still i i knew this was going to be like everyone has this kind of one thing like one of my one of my closest friends loves the marvel inhuman tv show loved it and i i he asked me what i thought about the new mutants and i said this is this is my inhumans because <laughs> i i know that i am going to be one of the only people that really loves this movie and uh, another friend of mine said, well, this was a self-fulfilling prophecy. You were always going to be the only person that loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's still, it's very fun. Uh, Josh Boone, I think director, kind of stepped on and shot himself in the foot when this movie came out. He was kind of a brat about it. Uh, or or what it was announced to, to come out finally. And so it, it soured a lot of people on, on seeing this movie. Um, and it does have some problems, but it's got an amazing cast. I mean, it's it's got uh, Jonathan from Stranger Things, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, and the star of one of Netflix's most popular miniseries of all time, The Queen's Gambit, all in one movie together, all doing a pretty good job. The cast itself is fantastic. They play the characters very well. I would have loved to have seen this cast a few times, and it sucks because we're not going to get it. And 2020 has nothing to do with it, and it's everything to do with movie politics. But monolithic corporations uh, buying out monolithic corporations—that's that whole yeah, chestnut. But it was still a lot of fun. And while this was definitely a weird year for movies, I'm looking at the movies on my Letterbox list. Which, if you want to follow me on Letterbox, it's Miles will save us. Uh, you will know you found me if you see the More You Nerd logo. And I'm looking at the list on on on, and at least for the first 25, I mean, they're all movies I really enjoyed or feel passionately about. Uh, some didn't even talk. We didn't even talk about Onward, which was really good. We didn't talk about but Scoop, it, it, which is also pretty good. Yeah, I, I, and we didn't mention any documentaries, but Console Wars came out it's on CBS All Access, and it's a really really good piece on the Sega Nintendo War of the early 90s. And if you 
you know Drew and I are very much into that era. So if you're like us, I highly, highly recommend you checking it out. But I mean, despite this being a trash bag year, I gotta say I'm pretty happy with the movies we got. It it has been a welcome distraction from everything else going on uh, in the world. Um, even if some of those things were a little more complicated to watch at certain times of the year, uh, it mm-hmm. was it was if for for filmmaking a pretty pretty good year. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the Oscars go uh, because there's oh, a yeah. lot <laughs> there's a lot of movie. I think they're I think they're they're uh, fudging the the eligibility requirements for some of these things, but but even they then, have to be. But even then, a lot of the movies that they really wanted to come out this year aren't going to come out. out this year so yeah it, it, it'll be interesting and you know i mean the year's not over there's still movies from this year that i haven't seen that i'm still working my way and we were just talking about the at the at, before we started airing this episode or recording this episode uh, wonder woman 84 comes out christmas day so our first episode of 2021 might be a spoiler cast might of, be of wonder woman we, we'll, we'll see um but I think we're going to go from from distracting ourselves with with movies to would you say Drew distracting ourselves with video games? Yeah. Next week? I believe that next week we are going to continue the Mori's focusing on video games. This has been a pretty interesting year for video games as well. Not not a lot of stuff has been pushed back completely but there have been some major delays of games yes. that were going to come out this year that that got pushed into later this year or next year and of course we've got two brand new consoles that came out just weeks ago so we're going to talk wow. about <laughs> our our mori awards for video games next week uh, in the meantime if you would like to reach out to us tell us your mori awards that you wish to to bestow on movies or games or tv shows or whatever else this year you can find us at the mori nerd on twitter tweet to us at the mori nerd facebook.com slash the mori nerd and you can email us the nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com uh so until next time everybody we we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd.